and welcome back to another episode of the Discourse Podcast. And today I'm being joined by a family favorite, a Discourse family that is, host of Core Raiders, recently silenced for truth, Alex Patak. Thank you so much for having me, Brandon. Can't wait to get honka about Wonka. No, I'm glad to have you on. You know, last time you were on, we spoke about Avatar 2, Way of the Water. Um, Sort of a spiritual prequel to Wonka. Sort of, yeah. I guess that is something you could say about those two movies. Um, And people loved that. People were clamoring for more. Unfortunately, uh, the new Avatar is still not out. We don't know when it will be out. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure some people do. Uh, so I figured we would talk about the spiritual sequel to Avatar 2 Way of the Water, uh, a movie simply known as Wonka. That's right. Box office smash hit, Wonka. Is it? Was it actually I don't a box office? <laughs> I, 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 you know, I'm like anyone else who's online. I get those like google headline alerts that say misleading things about movies where it's like the marvels breaks box office record and you're like oh what this which record these records are out of control yeah you know records work both ways good and bad so it's hard to see or hard to say sometimes based on headlines but i'm sure it did fine um so i actually i just had my intern pull up the wonka box office uh, th- tell me if this surprises you. It as of this week surpassed 500 million globally. That doesn't surprise me. Um Really? I think why is because nowadays it feels like movies either do really well or really poorly. Um it feels like movies either make like half a billion dollars or they don't make any money. Uh and, and I mean movies like like blockbuster movies not movies like uh you know art films or whatever so i'm not major motion pictures and i mean people have to see something right like the marvel movies that came out in the past few months haven't really been like great box office smash hits and so i mean what else were people going to see during the christmas season it was kind of a christmasy movie i guess there was snow as i recall it opens and it's snowy in there, and you could go snowy in there, snowy out here, and that wow. that makes it fit in for you. I can already tell based on your ability to remember that that you remember way more about this movie than perhaps I do. Uh, I will say, <laughs> I was getting ready for this, and I was like, I hope he doesn't ask me any of the characters' names. <laughs> no, because I, I think could that... not tell you any of them. I think that's a step too far, for sure. This was three weeks ago I saw this, so it might as well be blacked out to me. Yeah, I also saw it about three weeks ago. I knew that I immediately wanted to talk about it after seeing it. Um, But before seeing it, I had not seen the other Willy Wonka movies. Um, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, and then the remake, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Um, but after you hadn't watching, seen Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory, not recently. I've seen the movie like a ton oh, of times, okay. but I, I meant like not for a while. It's not one of my, you know, oft repeated watches. I mean, it's just the movie, right? That people really like. I saw it a lot as a kid, and so I know I know it well enough to not have to revisit it. Like when the new Hunger Games movie came out, I had to like watch them again. Like, oh, but what happened in these? Oh, what happened to Augustus Gloop? 
exactly. That, we will get to Augustus at some point because certainly I think he, as a character, has aged the worst. Uh, as we've moved away from fat phobia, obviously, but. After watching Wonka, I did go back in preparation for this episode and watched Char- Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and then also, as a bonus to myself, the Slurm Factory episode of Futurama from season two. And so, because I subjected myself to that, I do want to talk briefly about those two movies. I don't want to get bogged down in them because certainly we could get bogged down, in my opinion, in the second one. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. That's a piece of work. Yeah, it's it's very interesting for a lot of reasons. Um, but I do think that they're worth mentoring as part of, like, context. I know you watched them before. Did you watch them before you went to go see Wonka? Here's what happened is I went to go see my father for Christmas, and my brothers were there. And we have this kind of deranged dynamic where someone will say something not seriously or like half as a joke and then it will be taken with the concrete uh 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 seriousness of like a major national trade deal where the first night we were there we watched uh somebody just pulled up Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory and then somebody said we should watch all three of these and go see the new one and then that happened and so back to back to back, I saw every Wonka, allowing me to compare each and each facet of the Wonkas. And uh, some are better than others. Should we start with a ranking? Where would you rank them? Yes. Okay. I, I was going to say the same thing. I think we should start with a ranking. Um, I would rank them in this order. Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory as number one, I think is probably, you know, I would hope to be pretty uncontroversial that's the one with gene wilder 1971 everyone knows that one i would imagine um i think if we're really trying to make content we rank that one second we really (laughs) like we get people clicking on this episode by saying one of the other ones is better which is obviously a lie yes but that's how you make headlines It, it is it is how you make headlines it's it feels like lazy bait because of how incorrect it is i will say maybe this will be enough to get content uh the content hogs winking i don't know what you call it but whatever do hogs bray no donkeys bray uh hogs like squeaking this is not this is not a speaking spell show right i don't know if that's the right children's toy yeah no it's not a speaking spell show you're correct 1.5 1.5 slash number two, I would say, is the Slurm Factory episode of Futurama. I think that, <laughs> yeah, that is, is a good one. <laughs> that's a good one. Um, it's really funny. It has some a great bit. Um, it's in season two. So if you have Disney Plus or Hulu, you can go watch it right now um, and then come back to this if you haven't seen it. It's, it's very good. Number three, which I don't think is controversial, generally speaking, because I've read the Rotten Tomato scores of all three of these movies, is, for me, Wonka. I think Wonka yes. is my third favorite of those. And then four is, and I would say a distant fourth, is Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, the Johnny Depp 2005 remake. A Johnny Depp Tim Burton 2005. Yes. I will say, though, I think that the movie Wonka as like a product is more inexplicable than the movie Charlie and the Chocolate Factory as a product. That's like a movie that came out when it when it has come out. Um, 
I don't know if that's controversial, but being explicable does not make it a better movie. What about you? No. Uh, I think that's actually the entire mindset that made it so bad is they took the plot of the the book, the Willy Wonka book, and were like, let's do a gritty portrayal of this. Let's go. Let's get down in the muck and talk chocolate factory and then cranked out a movie that is like a hundred plus minutes long with a few songs in it. Like there are songs and the songs are good, but like the amount of time you go without a song, you're like, what am I doing right now? I'm just watching Oompa Loompas <laughs> and uh, uh, learning lessons about which foods it's okay to eat. Um, and it's just not fun. It's not a fun movie. It's upsetting to watch. Um, I think our ranking is the same, except if if we're allowed to include the Futurama episode, I like that better than the original Willy Wonka. I don't want to say that because it can't exist without the real, original Willy Wonka movie. Uh, you know, it's entirely predicated on it. But I do like all of the little bits in it. I, I, I love the Grunkalunkas. Uh, they're my first favorite portrayal of Oompa Loompa because they also, in the Grunkalunkas, and in that Futurama episode, acknowledge the terrible work conditions of the Willy Wonka chocolate factory. Uh, you know, I think across every Wonka iteration, you know, Willy Wonka is an enemy of labor. We won't get too deep into that, but I think it just bears saying it, Willy Wonka's factory is not unionized. Uh, it seems like it's a sweatshop. Uh, the fact that the Oompa Loompas sing does not make it not a sweatshop. I'm, you know, I'm just putting that out there, but... Yeah, I think I, I would do go like a step can... farther and say the and I think each of these movies is kind of ranked by how they deal with this. The main issue is uh, they're slaves. He owns an army of slaves and has them make chocolate for them. Uh, and the first movie and the new one are like, it's funny. <laughs> and that's their best attempt. The second one's like they have a complicated agreement. And that's the that's the worst, because I don't want to hear your excuses for these tiny men you've captured and forced to work in your factory. My excuse for the slavery in this movie, which is a through go. line, is a through <laughs> line, uh, if you'll allow me to make an excuse for the slavery. <laughs> there, like, the through line, I think, um, I will say, is that like in the first movie, just by nature of how the movie is filmed, the Oompa Loompas, to me, are more like elves. Like, they're like Santa's elves. And, like, are Santa's elves slaves? Yes, right? Because they are, like, not necessarily conscripted labor, but they're not compensated labor. But they're also, like, mythical creatures who, like, exist mm. more or less to do this work. Um, and I think it works better in the first one because they kind of just, like, gloss over it. Like, he just mentions Loompa, Loompa Land, but... And the way he mentions Loompa Land and just the Gene Wilder one, um, it, it's almost like he's just like fucking with the like the dad of Mike TV. I think that's who asked him about it. Like, what the fuck are these things? <laughs> you know, like these aren't people. Yeah, yeah, I got him in Loompa Land. Yeah, he's just like, yeah, Loompa Land. And he's like, there's no such place, Wonka. I'm a geography teacher. And he's just like, okay, well, first of all, who cares if you teach middle school geography? Like, that doesn't mean you know everything. And I guess this kind of brings us into talking a little bit about the first movie, the 1971 Gene Wilder uh, portrayed Willy Wonka adaptation of Roald Dahl's novel, which I will admit, I have not read the book. Um, I don't know if that really matters for this conversation, but I assume it's, it's not as good, good as the Futurama episode. Yeah, book. okay, so we'll put, 
we'll put that one at, at either second or third portrayal of Willy Wonka. Sure. The, the literal fucking book. Who cares? It doesn't really matter. Um, so the, the first movie, I think, is, like, really good. You know, as a, someone who wasn't alive when it came out and so who didn't see it in movie theaters, I saw it on television when they played it You know, as I was a child. And I was generally fond of it. I mean, some people, I think, overperform fondness for the Willy Wonka movies. I think, I mean, the movie, I think it's really good. I think Gene Wilder is a great Willy Wonka. And I think that there's a lot of meat on the bones of that story, despite having, you know, a relatively simple kind of like, well, it's a children's book. You know, it's almost, and I think about it and I kind of laugh saying it, it's almost like Dante's Inferno for kids in some mm. ways. It's a... It's a jaunt through hell, a childish kind of hell, which is also kind of like, you know, for a child heaven. So it has that kind of like ironic, satirical quality. But each of the kids are kind of a shallow version of like a human flaw. Yeah, they're like a list of sins, chocolate related sins. But the movie kind of elevates it as to being a lesson just about like being a good person. Um, and then yeah. you have like Willy Wonka, who in the Gene Wilder's portrayal is kind of this aloof, eccentric, but mysterious figure. He could literally be a demon for all we know in that particular uh, iteration of him. He leads this group of children through his factory. I'm not going to summarize the plot of the movie because everyone knows. Yeah, check it out if you haven't yet. Check out Willy Wonka, The Chocolate Factory, 1974. 71, I think. I'm not sure. Uh, I, want, I don't want people like look for like a 1974 version. It's like a porn porn parody. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are not listing the porn parody today. That's the one title that's left out. I have to imagine it's an interracial porn parody because that would make the most sense. Uh, oh, because they swirl the chocolate. Because they're in a chocolate factory. I'm just, I'm just it's a plus-size German actor, and then it's an interracial movie. Exactly. But, yeah, each, each of the kids kind of represent a sin. You have gluttony, you have pride, you have wrath, you have, like, envy, you know, you have greed. They're all kind of swirled around, along with the narrative of, like, don't you let your kids be shit because they might get killed by, like, a chocolate demon. Um, <laughs> They'll be killed. They'll be put into a machine thresher and destroyed. And in some ways, I think the first one has a little bit more edge in that sense because, like, the kids are, you know, never really seen again. Like, he kind of hand waves the, like, the the their safety at the end where it's like oh yeah you know i'm sure they're fine uh but we never ask the audience see them again um and then also of course it bears mentioning the songs the songs are really good there a lot of them are classics still not just the oompa loompa song but like the candy man uh you know whatever the song where he talks about his imagination i can't remember the exact title but you know what song i'm talking about cheer up Uh, charlie i think who hasn't who hasn't gotten their car without hearing cheer up charlie once a week on hot 97 hot 97 funk master flex uh helicopter sound (laughs) helicopter sound air horn we got we got another hot one for you uh that was rihanna up next we got cheer up charlie and the crackling radio starts playing the exactly. audio is not very good. The movie's old, folks. But, you know, in being old still, I will also compliment, I think that the sets, some of the scenes look really good. It's filmed in Munich, so the outside is kind of like stark. And then the inside of the factory is mostly practical sets. I think pretty much all practical sets. So it looks good. Chocolate water doesn't really look like chocolate water. It's like sewage. 
Let's let you know. If you've ever been to the yeah, Gowanus Canal, you're used to that. Yeah, it wasn't intended to be viewed on the television you're watching it on is the problem. <laughs> yeah, I think we, we've noticed that uh, many times with many things I've seen where it's just like, this is not meant to be viewed on, in 4K, but pretty good. Uh, I like the movie. I think there's only so much to be said about it because like most people are really familiar with it. But, you know, what are your takes on Charlie? I mean, again, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. This has a very, these movies have a weird naming convention, admittedly. Um, Gene Wilder does the best job as Willy Wonka, um, compared to the other two. Although I think they all do kind of an interesting job, but he's the only one who's like, oh, you're portraying an insane man. Um, yeah, he's a mad genius in the literal sense where he might like kill your child (laughs) and turn it into chocolate, um, in this fun, unpredictable way. Uh, the... The morality tale portion of it, the Roald Dahl um, child sins part that you were talking about, I think listing it as a Dante's Inferno is a good analogy. Um, Seem more relevant at the time. Like, now when you have the Mike TV character, like, I, I, I he's not in the newest movie, but even in, like, 2005, it's like, are we really that worried about our child watching too much cable television? That doesn't seem like a <laughs> current... <laughs> concern people are having um the the list of sins is really good because it it, it comes across like Roald Dahl was like what do I not like it when kids do uh it, as it pertains to chocolate uh they could eat too much you, you get you become a big fat kid and get stuck in the pipes that's bad um you could be Veruca's thing is she's just mean, right? She doesn't have a second flaw. She's just like well, a, she's a bad person. Like, like Veruca's like a like a rich girl. Veruca's the rich one, and like you know, her family is wealthy. They basically run a sweatshop, um, more or less. And she's spoiled. a non chocolate so like, related sweatshop. Yeah, she's just classic. Like I'm a young rich girl. Uh, daddy, daddy, give me what I want. So like it's daddy, they, they, I want it, it, it now. It, it's a nut. It's like a nut factory in both the original Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, and then Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Like it's both like he runs like a nut factory. That that would be so absurd if she also won a chocolate factory in addition to inheriting a nut factory. Thank goodness that's not how it turned out. That's why we have monopoly laws, laws in this co- well, antitrust <laughs> laws in this country, so that you can't. So your rich nut heiress can't win a chocolate factory no she has to go through several uh uh, morality tests before she can get through it and that's the kind of strong post new deal society we were living in back then where is this chocolate factory by the way um so you mean literally like where did they film the first movie or where is it supposed to be no i mean in the lore (laughs) i don't know if this is answered in the book um in my opinion it's kind of left up in the air on purpose because like you have these kids who are largely from all over the world. And by that, I mean like the white world. Um, mostly they're from like Germany, you know, mostly they're from, from like um, Germany, America and England. All of the NATO countries are represented. Yeah. You know, from at the time, like the three biggest, you know, I was going to say ally powers, but then I remember Germany or I guess, you know, I don't know if Augustus Gloop is German or Austrian. I, I would say it doesn't really matter. But yeah, I think it's just supposed to be generally anywhere. I think of it and I think Wonka kind of answers this question as being in England. But 
I think you could also argue that it's in the United States of America. I don't think it's in Germany, even though the movie is filmed in Munich, the Willy Wonka, the chocolate factory, at least. It also makes more sense in the 70s that you would have hard industry in the States like that. Because after, you know, after the 80s, this is a chocolate factory that is in China. You can go there. Maybe Willy Wonka does live there, but like... They're, all those kids are going to China to do the actual producing. Um, amazing no Chinese kids won this chocolate contest, by the way. Just by the numbers? It was all over the world and they didn't win? That's tough, man. You had such good odds. You didn't have affirmative action laws back then, so you could have just an all-white all white contest. <laughs> it's true. That was a, it was the law at the time. Um Back to the sins, though. I, I, I do like that it's, okay, so it's being greedy, eating too much chocolate and getting fat. That's at least, like, chocolate-related. Chewing gum is annoying is one of the yeah. sins. It's rude. It's kind, of, it's kind of, like, rude. You got no class. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, if you watch TV, you'll, you'll be, uh, I don't know, I guess you'll disrespect your teachers. It's, like, sloth. He's, like, slothful. He's you know, kind. Like, he's not really though. He seems like in one of the movies, they're like he's a genius. He's actually that, a talented. <laughs> uh, he he earned his way to the chocolate factory. He didn't just yeah. have a nice grandpa. That's the that's in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, which I think is funny. I think that's a fun, there. You know, we can move on in my estimation to talk about Charlie and the Chocolate Factory for a few reasons. The first is that it's more or less a direct remake of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, except, like, worse um, in basically every way, I guess. Uh, oh, but... we should say, because this is the official um, the official recap here, this is a Tim Burton film. Oh, yes. It, it, it's like so Edward it, Scissorhands and that motherfucker. Yeah, so, like, I mean, that's what, for me, now that we're, like, the 20 years away from it now, because it came out in 2005, I always misremember it as coming out a little later, but... The most interesting thing about the 2005 Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is that it kind of exists at the nexus of a ton of movie-related tropes and themes that were happening in the early 2000s that we were either, like, in the middle of or were, like, just taking off to be, like, the defining characteristics of the next like five or ten years worth of movies like just listing the things that are going on divorced from the plot obviously with charlie and chocolate factory first and foremost it's a timber in johnny depp vehicle which is the most defining characteristic of it second it's a remake of a beloved movie from decades ago that doesn't require a remake not only is a remake, the new parts that it adds are mostly just like unnecessary prequel components. So that's like a third thing. It's like an unnecessary They had prequel. a Wonka therapy plot. Yes, they did. Uh, it's also a gritty kind of retelling of Willy Wonka, even though it has less bite in some ways than the original. And it's, you know, by nature of being Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory again, it's an adaptation of a children's book by a beloved children's author. And so, like, I listed maybe four and a half, five things there. And it, oh, and also it has terrible CGI. 
it, <laughs> it is, you know, perhaps one of the best examples of the mid-aughts era of really bad but also overused CGI in movies yeah. back when CGI was first starting to get both like really cheap to do but just wasn't didn't look good i think lord of the rings came out and then everyone at the same time was like oh thank god we can just have computers make the movie now well see that's the thing i guess we can pick apart the charlie and chocolate factory into its little component pieces there first which is that like the cgi at the time wasn't thought of as particularly good either this is not like going back and watching like bleach you know now and thinking like when i was 12 this looked great and now that i'm an adult watching like you know ichigo fight ukiora this looks like garbage <laughs> this is like in yeah they're having pooping. wonka and a lot of the same key animations over and over again to save money like, yeah, like 280p, this is not very good. Um, people didn't think it looked good at the time either. People also, you know, I was alive then and I saw it not in theaters, but I recall the reviews at the time criticizing the overuse of CG, especially when the first movie has so many practical sets. And especially when, like, you're working with children actors who are just essentially walking into a warehouse that is entirely green and there are very few actual things for them to react and interact with so it just doesn't feel very you know at least in that first like opening the factory scene doesn't feel very real because it's not for me i think that this is typified not by something like lord of the rings because like lord of the rings has a lot of practical artistry in it too and that's why i can kind of work with the cg that they you know they do the yeah they made the models yeah, do the ends look great? Not always, but sometimes they do, <laughs> um, you know. But for me, it's more like Star Wars prequel, like where like everything just has a very ugly sheen to it. And they also don't seem to really worry about any kind of artistry with disguising how it doesn't look like it's not like raining or it's not like a little bit dim. They just have the whole ugly shit on full display. And, you know, this was just back then because CGI was now so cheap and new that, like, it was just difficult to make it look right unless you had some real artistry going into it like Lord of the Rings. Nowadays, when, like, CGI movies look cheap, it's just because they're not giving you enough money to make it look good. Like, when Marvel movies look bad, it's just because there's not enough, like, actual, you know, money being pumped into the application of the CG. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, the thing is, though, it doesn't even stick out like that was that's really the limiting factor on the film. Yeah. Like it does look bad, but also everything else about it is bad. The idea was bad. The execution was bad. <laughs> All of it is that none of it should have happened. And you're losing a lot of points with me at the beginning by just having it be a retelling of this movie that didn't need to be retold. Yeah, no, I, I think the worst parts of the movie, funny enough, there are parts about this movie that I like. Um, I like some of the little bits. I like that Charlie's dad works at like a, you know, a kind of really stark toothpaste factory where his job is just to screw on the cap at the last, like, it's not like part of the, you know, manufacturing line. And then he gets replaced in the beginning by like a robot that screws on the cap for him. I mean, for them, that's kind of funny. You know, that's that real. That gives him a vendetta. 
that gives him a rest of, you know, real life. I mean, he should have burned down the factory. Um, for me, actually, the worst parts of the movie have to do with, like, Willy Wonka himself and Johnny Depp's portrayal of Willy Wonka. Um, you don't you didn't like neurodivergent Willy Wonka. Um, I did not care for him. No offense. I think that it just really typifies like this is and we're 20 years of behind we're 20 years beyond this now. But like this is just like peak funny hat, funny voice Johnny Depp characters. This is two, three years after Pirates of the Caribbean, the first one, you know, where he played Jack Sparrow. And that just kicked off with something that we are, thank God, beyond now, uh, a full decade of Johnny Depp just being in funny hats and in doing funny voices in movies of divergent quality for what feels like a decade. You consider Jack Sparrow a funny hat character? I do. I think that he transcends that by being a funny character in a really good movie. But I think ultimately when you see what Havoc the character wrought, it's hard to divorce divorce him from the trend. You know, the luckily the trend is dead now. It kind of ended with that movie Mordecai that I don't think anyone saw, but it was always being suggested to you if you had Hulu back in like 2016. Uh, it's the one where he plays like an art thief with a weird Hercule Poirot type mustache. Oh um, no, I had my intern pull this up. This is devastating to look at. Yeah, but I mean, this was... Olivia Munn at the top of her game. Ooh, from like 2002, 2001 to about 2014, 2015, there was like a new Johnny Depp funny hat, funny voice movie every year or so. Some of them Tim Burton um, collaborations. Um, the Dirty Duo. Yeah, I mean, I think of Sweeney Todd and the Demon Barbara Fleet Street remake that they did. Um, obviously, this Willy Wonka movie that they did. There's, of course, the Alice in Wonderland's movies that I think is also Tim Burton. I'm, I'm thinking that just because, you know, of the way it looks and it also has Helena Bonham Carter in it. Um, yeah. The Demon are... Barber of Fleet Street, uh, Sweeney Todd movie, far superior to this one. And you know why? Song density, Brandon. Y- yes. Okay. Another good point about this movie, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. It's not so much a musical anymore. The only, only songs in this one are... Um, the Oompa Loompa songs, which kind of have, which I don't like. I don't care for, to be honest, in this one. I don't think that they're very good or memorable. I don't like that they tried to explain them. They're like, we let the Oompa Loompas make songs, and this is how they blow off steam, because they are. I've enslaved them, and also we're embracing that reality, and I'm trying to explain it away. <laughs> um, yeah, I, the, the songs, they bum me out, um, and again, there's not enough of them. Yeah, in this one, like it seems like the theme is that there are like a song. There are songs. The songs are themed around like pop genres from different decades. I think you could say loosely, like each song is kind of a different like pop subgenre. I think if you're gonna go with that kind of 
you know, theming for the songs, you should probably pick like actually like distinguishable genres, not like, oh, here's one type of Katy Perry song and another type of Katy Perry song. Like, I think that kind of muddies the whole thing. The lyrics are kind of hard to understand and make out when you're listening to them. And they're also not very catchy, but that's all fine. Yes, in this one, they are more explicitly slaves because they're not like elves. They're like explicitly just like a native indigenous people from South America or something. They're that one guy copied over and over again. Yeah, another sign of really bad CGI. They're just like, you know, one guy. I'm not saying you need to hire 150 little people. Um, uh, I think Which that's the they did term. for the other movies. Actually, they didn't Which... for... <laughs> Not the new one. The new one is Hugh yes. Grant. But... Yes, the new one is Hugh Grant. But there are a lot of problems with the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory 2005 remake. Gene Wilder didn't like it, I think. I think he said something derogatory about it, like how it was like they spit in his face. I would agree with that. Um, and I would also say I think that a big problem is that the portrayal of Willy Wonka is so very weird and not very grounded in any kind of, I don't know, referenceable character for like the audience. It's just like Johnny Depp doing, I would say, his weirdest voice in in his weirdest hat. Of he's like, very Michael portrayal. Jackson coded in this, which is a strong choice even then. <laughs> Yeah, I wouldn't have gone with that personally. Um, I think that like there is there's a character in like a BBC, and I guess this this is uh, kind of related to Wonka, the British broadcasting, not Big Black Cock, obviously. No, one is the television channel one. Yeah, the television channel one. You know, this one is I think very. Like, did the BBC Terry Pratchett adaptation of, like, the 10th Discworld novel, which is a movie, which, again, is actually better than this movie, uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, about, like, an assassin in character who is charged with killing Santa Claus, whose name is, like, Tea Time or Tia Time or something. And he does the exact same voice as Willy Wonka does, or I guess Johnny Depp does as Willy Wonka in this movie. And, except that it's, you know, in that adaptation of the terry pratchett novel it's supposed to be like he's a creepy weirdo in this one it's not supposed to be that way and so like portraying willy wonka as like a creepy childlike weirdo kind of just like is weird i mean it, it just doesn't land for me personally i will say i think the reviews are overly generous to this movie like in hindsight because i you know it's not rotten on Rotten Tomatoes. It has a good audience score on, you know, IMDb. I think that's just really? because the majority of, yeah, surprisingly. That's insane to me. I think majority of people were just like riding that Johnny Depp, like, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean 1, Pirates of the Caribbean 2, Pirates of the Caribbean 3 high. So like they just were like, I just want more of this. You know, we're putting I'm, on I'm a excited. funny hat. We're doing something for two hours in front of a green screen. Um, yeah, the... Uh, the decision to make Willy Wonka, like, start of the film, first thing you see, Willy Wonka is not likable. Now let's take the rest of the time explaining why he is not likable. He has issues with his father, played by Christopher uh, Lee, who abandoned Great him captain. as a child. And it's actually from trauma, and that's why he's in therapy with Oompa Loompas. 
who are the therapists, to be clear. Um, Emotional labor. Yeah, I, th I think that we've like listed all of the bad things about this movie. There's not too much redeeming in it. Is there anything you liked in it? I actually thought the parts outside of the factory, like when you get introduced to the kids, um, were pretty funny. I do like, you know, Tim Burton is a fine director. Funny enough, Corpse Bride comes out the same year as this does, which also has Johnny Depp in it, and it's a way better movie. So maybe this was one of those, like, you make one for us, you make you get to make one for yourself. <laughs> you deals. get one for them. Yeah. You do it for the Wonka industry. Yeah, which, I mean, I guess you can't blame them, but, like, I, I like the some of the colors and some of, like, the stark... Uh, set design outside of the factory because those most look like you know practical sets. I think all of the kid actors in this are pretty good and funny. Um, they like they do a good job. The kid actors in the first one do a good job. I think part of the reason why the kid actors and the kid characters come across as being good in this is because even in the original, they were kind of just shallow characters to begin with, like representative of very specific sins. And so when you get to that kind of early 2000s remake culture, you know, one of the things that was very common in that was to take like characters and boil them down to their like just one or two features that stood out sort of in the first movie and make that kind of their defining or overly defining characteristic in the remake. They weren't really able to do that in this one. So they kind of had to just like amp up already pretty amped up characters. Uh, I like, you know, for example, Violet Beauregard's mom being just like, a, you know, a yes, hun, like super aggro, like suburban Karen type is funny. You know, they have her in a sweatsuit. Yeah, that was funny. So, I mean, I think those parts are good. I, but but I think, funny enough, those parts being good make the movie feel worse because once you get into the factory, you're like, oh, now it's time. <laughs> now Fun it's time. is over. Fun is over. Time to be disappointed by, like, Johnny Depp's, like, weird portrayal of, like, beloved children's character, Willy Wonka. Uh, yeah, and then they that, that's basically the only positive thing I would have to say about it. I think that the worst part about it is that, you know, all the pieces were technically there to make a fine movie. Like, Tim Burton knows how to make a movie. The actors are all good. Johnny Depp can act, you know, when he's not doing his weird shit. Like, there are plenty of good Johnny Depp movies where he acts well in them. It was just of the era, and that makes it, like, very terrible. But, you know, like a lot of Johnny Depp movies at the time, at least a lot of people got, like, Halloween costumes out of it. Yeah, they got funny hats. Yeah, if you went out on Halloween in 2005 or 2006, whenever this movie came out, you were guaranteed to see at least one like Johnny Depp, Willy Wonka. And that's how you know that your movie has had a cultural impact. There's a, there a Johnny Depp, Willy Wonka, a Dark Wonka, a uh, Napoleon Dynamite. There's all kinds of exciting figures that you could see in this great 2006 Halloween. Um, you know, just because I'm looking at the time... We should talk about this new movie. How much of this do you even remember? <laughs> so I will say I remember the entire movie's plot. What I don't understand about this movie is ultimately why it was made. And I guess I have a pet theory that this and I, I didn't look into this. I don't know if there would be a way to confirm this. There might be like I 
I feel as though this movie wasn't conceived of originally as like a Willy Wonka movie, but Wonka was kind of shoehorned into it. And unlike the other movies, we kind of do have to recap the plot of this one for those who haven't seen it, because it's not the plot, you know, it's not your granddad's Willy Wonka. New Wonka! Anyway, um, this is a prequel, and I should say, Timothy Chalamet stars as Willy Wonka. I'm going to, as I describe this movie, um, mix in the real names of actors and then also describe the, the character in the movie or who they played previously and other things more or less inconsistently because some actors' names I do know, some actors I recognize from other things. Yeah, when Keegan-Michael Key is on screen, you're like, there he is. It's Keegan-Michael Key. He's in Wonka somehow. (laughs) Exactly. And what I don't know is what anyone else but Willy Wonka in this movie's name was. Uh, So that is just not going to be an option. Yeah, well, yes, Slugworth because he's the only... He's the recurring character. And he's also played, I believe, by Alan from uh, Peep Show. Peep Show, yeah. Yes. Mark's boss. What a treat that is. I gotta say, out of everything going on for this movie, the fact that it was not the same story again is the best part about it. Yes, that is what I like that's good. So, Timothy Chalamet plays Willy Wonka. I like to think that he is the same Willy Wonka, or at least, you know, spiritually the prequel Willy Wonka to... Uh, Gene Wilder's Willy Wonka. Not that it has to be related to either of them. I'm just saying that his backstory we don't know, and the backstory it, of Johnny Depp's Willy Wonka just directly contradicts this one. Yeah, they did. They took um, the the origin, the dark Wonka origin of the 2000s one, and said that that does not match up with the Wonka we are portraying here. This Wonka is more. Uh, free-spirited he's less wounded than that wonka is he has something to tell the world this movie wonka known only as wonka so like share uh in this movie timothy chalamet is i would say what the son of some sort of irish roma family mostly just a single mom uh, they live on a boat they live on a boat with like other traveling well travelers literally and really Um, where his mother raises him to have an appreciation for chocolate and apparently very little else. Um, Right. Well, there are no potatoes at the time, so he's forced to survive off of chocolate. Exactly. That's not in the movie, but it's implied. It is implied. You know, you can use historical context to assume this takes place during the potato famine, um, which gives the movie a little extra oomph, um, which would also feed into my belief that it was written more as like a British, you know, movie comedy and then adapted into Wonka when everyone was like, we don't like those. We don't like just normal British comedies. This is in <laughs> 2001. So it needs to be part of a actual, uh, like established Let's slap an IP on this. Yeah. Yeah. You know, let's do a little Hellraiser to it. Nobody wants to watch Boris the Chocolate Genius. Yeah. And I, I will say the songs in this one are not memorable i don't remember being offended by them i remember just not remembering them um even to this moment now the only one i can remember is the scrubbing song and only really the scrub scrub part because that's just like repetitive 
Oh, yeah, because uh, they keep saying scrub, scrub, as they are. And the slight spoiler here, made slaves. They're slaves in this one, too, but they're not Oompa Loompas. They're people. Which you would think would give him an appreciation for the Oompa Loompas, but it's not clear that it really does, ultimately. No, hurt people hurt people is the lesson. This this franchise has a lot to say about forced labor. It really does. I mean, I, I think that, again, another through line in the series is that it does remain a morality tale. Uh, a very clear one, at least to the audience, if not to Wonka himself. It's, um... It's kind of interesting thinking about the uh, the the forced labor uh, slavery aspect that's consistent through all of these because these are not movies critical of the economy. Like these are very pro entrepreneur films. Like it's good to be Willy Wonka. He is the hero of the story. Well, one thing about the movies though, back in the first one, he's like a captain of industry. Like, you know, he has a factory, you know, he's putting people to work or putting people out of work and just like replacing his whole workforce with Oompa Loompas. Uh, in this one, he's more of like a sexy Silicon Valley startup founder. He's the kind of guy who just like, he breezes in and like moves fast and breaks things. He's like a, a chocolate disruptor, literally. Yeah, is what, disruptor, you know, I agree. Which is part of a big part of the plot, because you know initially he breathes. The movie starts with him breathing into this kind of town. In this case, it looks like London. It's just like straight up, just seems like London. Um, and he finds out that like a chocolate, the the chocolate economy in this town is run by three chocolate tiers. Um, one played by Matt Lucas, uh, the other host who's not Noel from the previous series of Great British Bake Off. One, Slugworth, is played by Alan Mark's boss from Peep Show. And then there's another one whose name and character I do not remember, which I'm sure is probably the most famous British actor, but doesn't really matter. Um, He's a chocolate guy. He runs chocolate in London. Exactly. And then he he tries to sell chocolate in town. He's unable to because the police, again, acting as the the enforcement arm of this chocolate syndicate, are sicked on him, and he's like has his profits confiscated. So he's forced to accept the kindness of a stranger who's played by the host of Murder and Successville. This movie, and I will say, is. I appreciate this about British com- comedy writers and actors. You know, when one of them gets fed, they all get fed. The whole team comes up. The whole the whole team, the, put the whole team on your back. Because this movie is written by uh, British comedian uh, Simon Farnaby, who I think has a lot of, I mean, long history of British comedy work. Uh, I know him best from being a writer and also on the latest Alan Partridge series, this time with Alan Partridge, which is funny too. He's the writer of this movie. Uh, Every member of the cast is like, besides Wonka, who's Timothy Chalamet, and the slave girl is a famous British comedian actor. Rowan Atkinson is in here. Again, whole whole crew's on. Uh, is the girl, is his, like, girlfriend character fa- from something? Who, Wonka's? Yeah. Does Wonka have a girlfriend in this? Well, it's, I don't know. Did you think the slave girl character was, like, a love interest? The the 12-year-old. Is she 12? It's, it's a, quite How a little How old is girl. he? <laughs> 
He well, seems magical to me. He's 30. Uh, despite uh, the Zoomer, Zoomer being Zoomer coded, Timothy Chalamet is like 30 years old. Um, oh, damn. And his, and his slave, the slave girl was like 12. Um, I thought he was supposed to be like 15. He might that might be the case. I kind of thought he had more of a thing with one of the other slaves. So we keep mentioning slaves in this movie, and <laughs> we're being literal because like he gets taken to a laundry shop um in by the murder and successful guy where like he signs a contract, which is an uh, which we have to get into that part that basically makes him an indentured service because he stays at the you know the boarding house for free for one night and racks up like ten thousand dollars or silver sovereigns or what they call them worth of fees which basically makes it him a slave that has to work it off there and he finds out that this has happened to a ton of other people who are now his like slave compatriots who he you know shares a working situation with um to be this honest, is why the ideology of the movie is so strange, too, because it has all of this stuff that's like cr- critiques of the the world we live in with these exploitative contracts that allow you to be a slave and the uh, unfair alliance of the chocolate barons and the police essentially murdering people at will. But at the mm-hmm. end, it's like, but then he gets his own factory. Aren't you happy? He's part of the problem now. <laughs> Exactly, but he's gonna change things from the inside. Yeah, he does. He has a good heart. He's got. He's that Wonka's got a good heart. It's made of chocolate. To be fair, though, the movie kind of implies that, like, if you become a slave, it's sort of your fault because it's implied that, like, the contract he signs does contain the parts that make it possible to enslave him. He just doesn't read it, and the rest of them also didn't read read the contract. The and reason, why doesn't he read it? Okay, why doesn't so he read it? this is one of those things, along with the whole slavery subplot, that makes me think that the movie was originally just written as like a, you know, Irish traveler teenager. <laughs> moves to London and ends up kind of like meeting this cast of characters and it's kind of funny and you know like it's little Peaky Blinders it's a little you know it's a little peep show it's a little list that nothing to do with Willy Wonka the reason he didn't read the contract even though the slave girl who already works there is telling him to is because he is bump bump bum illiterate um, he cannot read. He cannot read at all. And he put not... all of his points into chocolate magic. Now, again, I guess if you had the option of either being able to make magic chocolate, um, not just make chocolate magically, but the chocolate has, in fact, magical effects. Um, yeah, like makes you drunk and stuff. Makes you drunk, makes you fly, um, can turn you into a blueberry if, you know, the continuity remains the same. Um would you give up the ability to read for that power? Probably, especially if you use Twitter. If anything, I, I wish for literacy every other tweet I read on the For You timeline. I'm not using it for my own benefit, for sure, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, marketable skills are hard to come by in this economy. So Here's, I mean, the things he can do are incredible. He has essentially a full factory in his jacket and hat he has a full like kit in his hat he takes out and just whips chocolate up in the street it's also implied that he can visit like magical places because you know he he finds and he gets uh he gets ingredients 
from like places that other people say are not on the map. So it's possible he's also some sort of dimensional traveler, uh, which again makes him seem like a type of demon or fairy. But in this case, he seems more or less like human in this one, not like Gene Wilder's kind of ambiguous humanoid demon figure thing. Um, I should say though, like the slavery aspect of it is kind of like hand waved away because after working in the place for like a day, he's just like, I've hatched the plan that will allow us to make the money that will buy all of our freedoms. Um, and it's spoiler alert, selling chocolate. And he invents like a washing machine essentially in the factory that allows them all to not have to work at slaves during the day. So they can just spend their time being slaves for him and selling, <laughs> selling chocolate essentially. But they're getting paid in this circumstance, I guess. So not to mention he just literally escapes. Yeah. All, 24 all the hours in. <laughs> yeah. And so the, the illiteracy, I think, doesn't really actually play a role in the movie at all. Um, it's kind of like just a bit for like one or two jokes. The first one being when he has to go to the zoo to find a specific animal, he goes into the wrong animal's enclosure and almost gets like, you know, eaten or whatever. From my perspective, that's like funny, I guess, but <laughs> it's not worth making the whole character illiterate, especially when there's no indication in any of the other media that he can't read. And it doesn't really play a role in any of the other things at all either. I, I think what, what it was is they were looking at this character and they were like he is not quirky enough <laughs> he's just kind of like a hot cool guy <laughs> yeah so let's I make think him we like... gotta he can't read he's walking into the giraffe enclosure he's just like a sexy sexy chocolate like moron i guess or something do Which... do women love wonka has he been like a sex icon in this way before i think gene wilder is good looking and johnny depp as a sex symbol even prior to any of the controversy with andrew amber heard and all of that stuff I, you know i've always known him amongst the women in my life as being a polarizing figure yeah some women really like johnny depp some women do not like johnny depp at all uh again he'll drink your rum yeah, prior to like the rum drinking even. I mean, I think he's played a lot of sexy characters in movies. You know, there's Cry Baby. He was in a bunch of movies as a teen too, where mm -hmm. he was yeah. like the teen heartthrob. Exactly. Um, and so I think he kind of aged into being a more like, I don't know, not pirate-esque. He kind of dresses like an aging, retired rock star now, like just tons of rings, tons of bracelets. He kind of just always looks like he has like a bit of dirt on him for some reason. He looks like he, I guess, to sum it up, recently emerged from like a inside of a dryer. Yeah. Like he did a cycle in a dryer and came out. Yeah, like if you were like had an industrial sized dryer filled with Hot Topic clothes like Hot Topic clothes and accessories, like, no, like really like a Claire's, like if you had like a Claire's factory in a men's warehouse in a dryer and he was tumbled in it and, and came out. And he that... tumbles around and he gets all the accessories. Exactly. Which is, again, fine. I think that if this movie were just about a non-Wonka character, just like a 18-year-old, like, sexy Irish boy moving to London, him being illiterate and being taught to read by, again, an age-appropriate not even slave, but woman, would be more yes. hot. It's just weird that Willy Wonka And again, can't I'm sorry. I didn't realize he was 30 years old in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know if the character just, is. I see Timothy Chalamet, and I'm like, this is clearly supposed to be a 15-year-old. <laughs> They're trying to tell me something. 
I mean, he, he's very teen-coded, I think, even if Timothy Chalamet, who I will point out, I have no problem with him in this movie. I remember when the trailer first came out and people were like, this is fucking weird. What is going on here? He's like, sullying the name of Wonka. I'm not really a Timothy Chalamet hater. I think he's a fine actor, very square jaw, if you're into that sort of thing. I think he was fine in this. I think if you remove the veil of Wonka off of this, the movie's almost stronger, but that's irrelevant. Uh, the rest of the movie is mostly just him trying to deal with like the chocolate syndicate that runs the chocolate making in the town of wherever they are. I don't recall there being a name of it. Uh, he kind of learns to read over the course of the movie. It doesn't really play any role in the movie. Like the, the young black slave girl teaches him to read. Um, they just want you to know, like by the end, he, you should learn to read. Like it's not sexy to not read. No one else really reads in this, in this movie either. There's another problem with it. it, it it's, it's fine. It, you're not going to be as sexy as Timothy Chalamet if you don't read, but I, I think it's fine. Um, another, I think, issue it's confusing is that the slave girl can read despite being a slave her whole life. So it just makes it seem like literacy is pretty widespread, except for Willy Wonka. So he's like kind of an exception in this world that like everyone can read but him, which I guess makes it even worse, but uh, kind of irrelevant. Uh, and nothing else really happens in the movie. I, I think the weirdest part about the movies, you know, the more... The first movie, Willy, Charlie and Chocolate Factory, no, fucking wrong, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, is clearly about the kids, and not just about the kids in the movie, but about the kids watching the movie. Um, kids love chocolate. Kids love chocolate, but they shouldn't love it too much. No, or that's bad. Or you'll be killed by Willy, Willy Wonka. <laughs> you'll be drowned. You'll be, you'll be taken to a factory and drowned. If you're lucky. That, if, you'll, if you're lucky, you'll be drowned quickly. If you're not, he'll torture you by feeding you one of his like experiment candies that are not controlled. Um, Veruca is at one point in the, in the second movie killed by like a, a thousand monkeys or something. They, who do they have? Squirrels. She, the squirrels. squirrels. They have, yeah, that sounds terrible. Not, squirrels not, peck her to death. Not content with enslaving indigenous people, Johnny Depp's Willy Wonka uh, also enslaves animals for his factory. So it it is what it is. Um, She's ripped apart by squirrels. Um, And so is her father. But that movie is also kind of more about Willy Wonka, though, especially because it is Johnny Depp. Like, you get so much of his backstory, which you don't really need to know. In fact, like, the more you know about Willy Wonka in that movie, the less you like him. Uh, and the more inexplicable the way he acts is, kind of. Um, and then to complete that kind of arc of who the movie is focused on, this movie is almost entirely about Willy Wonka and, you know, the revolving cast of British actors who, let's be honest, they're earning those paychecks, but, again, don't really need to be in this movie. Uh, this movie's entirely about Willy Wonka. In fact, there aren't really any kids in this movie, which I thought was a weird decision for a movie about like a chocolate candy factory maker who like makes magic candy. Like the only kid is like the slave girl. And she even has that like really fucked up line where like he feeds her chocolate for the first time because she hasn't ever tried chocolate and cause she's a slave obviously. 
And she just goes like, I don't know if I can live like this as a slave now that I know what chocolate tastes like. I wish you'd never given it to me. And it was just like... See, this (laughs) is why I feel less bad for thinking there's romantic tension here when we're getting the lines fed back to us. There, I mean, again, it might have been written that way initially. Uh, I didn't see that personally because I don't like problematic age gaps in my relationships. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, do you, King? Look, I, I'm not happy it's there. I'm just telling you I was confused by the acting choices. I was confused by the song choices because this movie has a few... Actually, you know what? No, now that I'm remembering, this movie has a ton of songs. None of them, like the second one, Charlie and Chocolate Factory, very few of them, I should say, are memorable. Uh, Timothy Chalamet has a song that he sings first thing in the first, the movie opens with the song uh, that he sings. I don't really recall the words to it. It wasn't very memorable, but it was kind of just like a generic, like, I'm here now, you know, the world is... Time to make chocolate. Yeah, yeah. Then there's the Scrub Scrub, We're Slaves song. Um, Hugh Grant plays the one Oompa Loompa in this. He has a name. I'm not going to remember it, but it's Hugh Grant. Um, And... He has like an Oompa Loompa song and it's just like an Oompa, but it's the only Oompa Loompa song in the movie. Like they don't add any other Oompa Loompa songs, which I thought they could have. You know, there were a lot of times where like, you know, you could just flash away to have like the Oompa Loompa do a little song. They chose not to do that probably because like Hugh Grant didn't want to be on set for longer than <laughs> like a few days because uh, he's Hugh Grant now. Uh, but yeah, I mean, from my perspective, I thought it was a pretty all right movie. I just didn't think it was a good Willy Wonka movie, and it was also not a very good musical. And so for a movie that is a musical about Willy Wonka, it kind of failed, but definitely wasn't as bad as Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah, I liked the songs. I agree that they weren't memorable, but they were like the correct tone, which Mm -hmm. I appreciated, and that they were fun, and there were a lot of them. Because again, if you're watching a magical Chocolate Factory-based movie, every 10 minutes that passes without a song, you start to question why you're there. Uh, The main crime for me, and this is... Not limited to Wonka, but more of an industry trend right now is just it's so long. It has no business being Mm -hmm. so long. (laughs) It should be 85 minutes. Um, Instead, it's like 110 or something ridiculous. I'm going to admit I had like... So I was, uh, again, this was over Christmas, and my my brother had to get like a present at the last seconds. We were just at the mall when we went to the movies, and I just had a, a giant thing of beer uh before going into it and that kind of put me in a wonka state so maybe i'm a little less critical for that reason but um it did allow me to see things from a wonka point of view and for that reason i enjoyed it i had a good time yeah i mean i agree i think it was baby just because the movie i saw in theaters right before this not on the same day but the most frequent i mean most recent movie before it was the new hunger games movie which i did not enjoy and that also had songs in it and it somehow managed to be even longer at like i want to say two hours and like 40 minutes it's like the the last Hunger Games. there are songs in that one did you not see the newest hunger games movie no, I didn't see the, I saw the first Hunger Games movie and said, I'm done. So 
I, uh, the newest one is a prequel as well, funny enough, to the original trilogy of Hunger Games movies, although it was four movies, it's a trilogy of books or whatever. Um, there are tons of, there, well, it's not a musical, but there's tons of singing in the new Hunger Games because the Katniss character in it, who is also kind of traveler coded like roma coded too i don't know what they're what having a the, moment they, good for them good for them you know a lot of people especially when talking about the history of like european bigotry leave the romas out and a lot of times like they're still the victims of bigotry to this day um so i'm glad they're having a little bit of their movie they're not just being like put in Stephen King movies as like wandering magic users who like tell fortunes and make you too thin until you die or something that that's good. It's good. Um, I would, the new one, like the Katniss character is who is played by, I don't remember her name now, but she's the one who is the Maria character in the new Steven Spielberg, um, uh, West side story adaptation. She, sings country songs that's like kind of her thing like how Katniss had a bow she this girl sings like country western songs um and Taylor Swift coded yes except the actress is not actually from the south and she does this I mean she might be from the south I don't know this the accent is fake is the point I'm trying to point out like she does this like cartoonishly thick like southern accent like how reba mcintyre speaks but like in reba also like it's not just an accent because like she's like supposed to be like 16 i guess in the in the the movie like because she's speaking with like a cartoonishly thick southern accent she also acts like a middle-aged woman so she says a lot of like really like archaic like you know well excuse my butter biscuits and you're like what (laughs) well 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 And so she she always has like an acoustic guitar, and she just like this is where it becomes like Taylor Swift coded, but like old Taylor Swift. Like she only sings songs about herself and the boys who have broken up with her. So it becomes very just like every song, even when she's about to be like killed in like a gladiatorial games, is about like a boy who dumped her. And you're like, I don't know. That's not what would be on my mind as I'm being put into the thresher. Yeah, it really isn't. So when I saw Wonka, I was kind of like in a better mood. I, I was like, oh, this is just like a movie. It's kind of entertaining. It's baffling. <laughs> it's baffling in some ways. But the sets look nice. You know, I don't understand why it's like a slavery subplot. I don't understand why there's like so many British people in it. I guess I did understand that part, you know, from a production standpoint. But it also looked better than Charlie and Chocolate Factory. You know, CGI has gotten to the point now where, like, even if you aren't particularly very skilled at art, you know, in terms of, like, pr- movie production, the CG still looked pretty good. Uh, they had poor practical sets. A lot of the side actors, by nature of being, you know, being, like, professional British actors are good. Olivia Coleman is good in it. Everyone is, like, like it's a pretty fun movie. It just, every time... You, it, Except for the songs, which are all very Wonka-esque. As I was watching, I was just like, I don't understand what this has to do with Willy Wonka. Like, I don't, I don't understand what any of this has to do with Willy it, Wonka. It feels like they're trying to tell us something, and it's not clear what it is. Also, yeah. I liked... and So, it's important to mention, I had all the beer before I went in, and then I liked the movie. No one I saw it with liked it. Um... And I think the thing that rubs people the wrong way is it's a movie where where you're watching it, you're like... Oh, even the people making this aren't taking it very seriously. They're making a Wonka movie, and uh, 
they know it. I wish that they would have taken some things more seriously and some things, like, less seriously. Like, I think there's a lot of fat in this movie that could have been trimmed out. Like, again, I don't want to, you know, demonize anybody who likes to see illiteracy represented in their movies. But I just, from a movie standpoint, don't think that subplot served any purpose. Like, and then you just have, like, one or two scenes where he's, like, being taught how to read. And they're like, oh, he can't even read the word, like, cat. And you're like, okay, so he's like really illiterate. Like he doesn't even understand what letters. That's the are. most illiterate you could be. That's like the first word you learn. Like he doesn't even recognize letters. Is how illiterate he is. And that could have probably been cut. Like it could have been cut. That you know, I think that the slavery subplot, even though it's really <laughs> central to the movie for some reason, probably could have been cut. You probably could have just made this movie about how he's trying to disrupt like a chocolate syndicate. Like that would yeah. have been made, and then you know what? And these cuts are good because they kind of tie together. Because the not reading is how he gets tricked into slavery. Yeah, yeah. You could even have him be a slave and still have him be literate, because the other people who were tricked into slavery could read. Like, <laughs> like that wasn't like part of their backstories. It wasn't like she was purposely targeting people who couldn't read. One of them was like an accountant who just literally. Yeah, they were just they were poor or something. One of the characters is a bad comedian. Which I did enjoy as like one of the little running jokes. I forgot about that character, but in the moment, he was like my favorite. They have one line. This was maybe like the only funny line in the whole thing. But when they release the bad comedian from slavery, the slave master turns to him and goes, keep going. You've got something, which I thought was really funny. Yes. I I honestly, like, it, what made that character so funny was that this movie kind of, everyone was kind of coded to be modern, but also clearly it's not modern day. Like, this all takes place in, like, the turn of the 20th century in, like, some sort of England-coded city. But he was, like, a very clearly, like, 70s, 60s-style, like, hack stand-up comedian. Like, all of his jokes were about, like, oh, my wife divorcing me and shit like that and it was just it was so funny because it came out of he's nowhere. the first comedian in the world it's 1915 yeah. <laughs> he's yeah. invented the form nobody knows what he's doing <laughs> take your wife why why would you say that <laughs> that was a great character expertly acted a lot of the characters were fun like i think that's like again a through line throughout all of the movies for the Willy, in the Willy Wonka verse, the side characters all tend to be acted and portrayed pretty well. They're, like, there's at least a few funny ones in all of them. The portrayal of Willy Wonka is, in fact, the most like up and down. The most like the where the quality is the most just inconsistent. Uh, but then again, I mean, I thought Timothy Chalamet was fine, not as Willy Wonka, but as like a kind of a, a sexy chocolate wizard. Like, yeah, that was pretty good too. Yeah, it's an intriguing character to be so sexy and so good with chocolate. Yeah, I just felt like maybe there should be more kids in this movie. Not child slaves even, but like just kids trying to... Like, I don't think but for like... Just kids to eat the chocolate. They don't have to be enslaved. Yeah, I don't even really recall him giving chocolate specifically, you know, maybe once or twice like in, as part of a crowd, but like... He doesn't like seem to prioritize giving chocolate to kids. Like he's just like selling, you know, he's just a man trying to open a chocolate shop in this. Like he's just like literally trying to open like a truffle store uh like where he sells to like, you know, he democratizes chocolate by making it more affordable because again, the chocolate syndicate is not just like controlling the town's chocolate supply. They're also making the chocolate worth quality. It's 
Yeah, they're bad eggs, folks. They're hoarding the chocolate. They're, like, watering it down. Like, they're telling you you're getting, like, 90% cacao, and it's really, like, you know, 74% cacao, and they're skimming off the top. Uh, that being said, Willy Wonka also gets, you know, the way he's introduced to the Oompa Loompa in this is because he steals their chocolate, like, their little bit of chocolate. He's a, he's a colonizer, too, by the way. Yeah, that's a big part of it. And Hugh Grant is... He's in this movie. The Oompa Loompas are dressed like the Swiss Guard, who guard like the Pope. Interesting. I feel like they have like the pike. They're like the pikemen. Um, yeah. And he yeah. So like he's dressed like a pikeman for the Pope, and he's supposed to be guarding the chocolate. And but Willy Wonka comes in and steals it while he's asleep, and then he's forced to go like reclaim his reparations from Willy Wonka, which he does. And then at the end of the movie, once Willy Wonka has defeated the Chocolate Syndicate. You know, spoiler alert. He like he looks at like Hugh Grant and goes like, "I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship or whatever." And then he goes like, "Yes, it is." And then the movie just kind of implies that the Oompa Loompas start working there basically immediately, which is not what happens in the first one. Like he put he like lays off his human workers to hire the Oompa Loompas for a lower cost. Right. Oh, and that that's you know what we didn't mention that too. The the Tim Burton one has a whole undercurrent of uh, betrayal <laughs> that the <laughs> there were spies in the Wonka factory and that's why the, all the humans had to be laid off and replaced with slaves is because uh th- there were so many enemies inside of the of the chocolate palace well there was there was corporate espionage in the first one too because remember in Willy Wonka in the chocolate factory uh Willy Wonka has the Gene Wilder Willy Wonka has like one of his own human employees pretend to be Slugworth or a Slugworth spy. And he, this is one of the other ways that he proves the kids are sinful. He has him like speak to each of the kids and like promise them like money or chocolate or whatever the fuck he's promising them to like go inside the factory and steal an everlasting gobstopper. And like Charlie's one of the only ones who doesn't agree to give over like the everlasting gobstopper even though like he's being offered like a better future for his family in exchange for it and even though Willy Wonka at that point has treated him like shit he's just like I can't give it over to you and then he that's when Willy Wonka was like oh my god you're like pure and shit and so ultimately you should inherit a, a factory because you're a good guy you should inherit my factory and my slaves you know which is how that kind of works when they're probably the kind of warm heart that can keep a slave force working well beyond their years exactly you, you just got to put on the santa claus suit and you become the new santa claus same with willy wonka you put on the hat you get you get the chocolate factory you get the the, the slave elves willy wonka Oompa Loompas. but yeah i mean i think that's basically everything about the new movie everything that matters there are tons of things that happen in it like tons of little bits and skits and shit um most of them have little to do with Willy Wonka himself or the other movies. There are a few, like, Easter eggs, I guess, like the fact that they're working at a laundry sort of slave sweatshop. In the original Willy Wonka, like, Charlie's mom cleans clothes for a living or whatever. Like, you know, really some minor stuff like that, which makes it seem like it wasn't really written as a Willy Wonka movie because usually that would be the kind of things you would include in those sort of prequels. Like, oh, here's a sign that he'll do this one day and do this one day. Most of those are just kind of like throwaway. But yeah, I mean, I can't think of anything else about the movies that bears mentioning. Uh, I'm sure we're forgetting something very important, but nothing that I can think of. 
I, we, I think we've covered the long and short of it without spoiling this wonderful film, which I think is worth emphasizing. I don't think ever should have been made, but now that they did make it, it wasn't that bad. And I guess it made a lot of money, so good for them. I don't think it should have been made. I think that, it for me, it seems so far past the point in which we're making these kinds of prequels anymore. It just feels like we this was a trend that kind of peaked in like 2012 to 2015. Like I'm thinking of when they started making the Maleficent movies with Angelina Jolie and when they made that like Wizard of Oz prequel, um, the Oz, the Great and the Powerful with James Franco. There was a time where like they were doing these kinds of sexy prequel movies all the time. And we just yeah. haven't seen that in a while, I feel like. I'm sure I'm, I'm forgetting a modern one that they more recently made. But these kinds of movies just seem to, like, they just never did very well, to be perfectly honest. Like, I'm surprised this one did as well as it did because Maleficent, I think, did well. Oz, The Great and the Powerful, probably bombed. I don't recall. I saw both of them in theaters, so I can't really speak to how well either of them did. Oh, wait, wait. Important anecdote from seeing this movie this has just come back to me is we we saw it we got outside my family is immediately making fun of the movie this other family who took their entire extended family together to watch the wonka movie left the the theater with us and they asked us to move so they could crowd around the poster outside and i'll take a group photo that's how much fun they had watching wonka it lifted up their hearts that's great I mean, honestly, I didn't feel that strongly about it. Like, I I think you're probably the same. I watch a ton of movies, and not just a ton of movies in general. I see tons of movies in the theater just because I enjoy seeing new movies. Um, and so I don't get mad or annoyed when people like movies that I don't particularly care for. In fact... I think it's great if a movie speaks to people that doesn't, and it doesn't speak to me. I think for me, it's just hard to, like, for example, if you tell me that, like, if I went to go see Twilight, which I did, I saw Twilight New Moon, Moon in theaters when I was in college. If when, you, when I saw that movie, plenty of people were really into it. I personally was not super into it, but I, you know, plenty of people were. And I can understand that. I can understand being really into it because of, like, it has a very specific audience. This movie, I couldn't really tell you what the audience for it is, like, who, who would go see this. Like, if you're a fan of, like, the original Willy Wonka movie, this is really, I can't say this is for you. If you're a fan of, like, the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory version, I, I can't say this is for you really either, unless, you know, you just like bad movies, because the movie isn't really bad either. Um, like if you're yeah, a fan it's not of bad Tim enough to see because it's bad. If you're a fan of Timothy Chalamet, I, I feel like he's not even properly, like, foregrounded in this movie, because he's kind of just doing, like, a weird... Like he's not doing as weird of a voice as um a weird as a voice as Johnny Depp. I don't know why he's doing a weird voice at all. Gene Wilder didn't do a weird voice for Willy Wonka, so I don't know how it just became a trend to do a weird voice for him. But you know, he's just being normal, I guess. Like he's just like doing a Willy Wonka character in this. I, the only people who I would say like really should go see this movie. Like if you're a fan of British comedy actors from like the late 90s through to like the early 2010s this movie is definitely for you because there are a ton of them in this, like in this like you'll definitely see a lot of people you recognize like maybe not a full qi episode worth but like certainly a ton of them uh but 
yeah, I, I'm happy to hear that a whole family of people were so moved by this that they took a photo in front of the poster. Um, generations. I, generations. I, I would love to know what other movies they like so I could kind of put like, put a picture together of like the kind of viewer this movie's for. But again, you know, frankly, it's maybe they're doing more prequels like this because at least it's not a Marvel movie. You know, at least it's not like Black Panther 7. It's just another property, which back when everything was an adaptation of like a move, another book or comic book or TV show or some shit, like just being another adaptation made you seem kind of samey. But nowadays, since every adaptation is like a comic book, just being an adaptation of something a little different and even just being a prequel and a derivative in other ways, it probably just seems novel. Like shit, I, it's it's probably refreshing. And I, it uplifted my spirits and it lifted up the world. And that's why it weighed five hundred million dollars. That that is a great point. And you know what? I think it's a great place to end it. Uh, Alex, why don't you tell the listeners where they can keep up with your work, and then we'll call it there. Sure. Um, if you enjoyed the Willy Wonka movie starring sexy Timothy Chalamet, you will love the Quarators podcast on YouTube.com. Uh, we are available on video and also wherever podcasts are sold. It's a show where we read Quora. Brandon's been on it, and that, that was a lot of fun. So you could listen to that episode. That's one of the first ones. Um, I also have radio plays I do, and some new ones of those are coming out in around a month, and that's called Theater of Delights. It's free. Go check it out. That's all my stuff. That all sounds great. And I can vouch for Quora Raiders. It is very fun. And, you know, it brings you the best of Quora right to your eardrums. And you certainly don't want to be scrolling or surfing that site without a guide. So, you know, definitely check it out. I'm going to put all that stuff down in the description so it's easy to find. Uh, thank you for wonking with us. Um, and have a Wonka weekend. Or have a weekday. Wonka weekend, everyone. Whenever you're wandering, do it.